Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Chat with the Designers. This is your live, online, interactive weekly magazine for hams, homebrewers, experimenters around the world and across the fruited plains. Your hosts tonight are George, N2APB, and Joe, N2CX, over there in New Jersey. I'm, I'm located in Maryland. Joe's in New Jersey. And I see from our population here of check-ins, we've got uh, people all around the world today. This is magnificent. Really glad to see everybody. Uh, um, even down in, uh, let's see, up in the far reaches of Canada, uh, that we see our 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 Australian friend. Maybe not just yet. So um, let's get started. Tonight's presentation, tonight's show, episode number 39. 39 episodes so far. This one is about assembling a QRP station for field operation. may sound kind of ho-hum or you've heard that before, but I'll tell you what, there are two reasons that Joe and I really got excited about uh, this for tonight. One was that, and, and perhaps foremost, is that this Saturday is a very special, it's one of two special QRP weekends throughout the entire year. First one is called QRP to the Field, and that's like in the springtime sometime, April maybe, April May. And the second one is this Saturday, and this one is called QRP Afield. These are two QRP events. Called, we, we kind of call them QRP Field Days. In fact, we referred to them as that in the, in the, in the whiteboard. And it gets us a chance to go out in the field and just have a, kind of an, a preponderance of QRPers out there who are also trying to make contact in a field day-like sense. And we thought it would be a great time to kind of review the basics and, and especially overview the different kind of equipment that's available to us today. Joe and I have an awful lot of uh, field experience in taking this stuff out. And we have all sorts of tips and ideas and reminders and guidance along the way. And hopefully you do too. And I know I'm, I'm looking at some of some of you guys here and there's some good uh, to the field uh, type of field operators. And we're going to cover those uh, those topics tonight. And hopefully maybe get you a little bit excited about just taking that radio and a battery and, and a piece of wire out to the backyard at a minimum or around the corner to the field uh, where there's a lot of trees you can throw up something throw something up into the uh, into the <laughs> into the trees and um, you know get uh, get some portable operating time just as an aside if you happen to belong to the New Jersey QRP club we meet once a month on Saturdays, uh, the third Saturday of each month, which happens to be this Saturday. Son of a gun. So we're going to have um, um, a bit of a tutorial, much like we're, we're doing here, during the first half of the meeting indoors. And then since the uh, the contest, <clears throat> the, the field operating uh, 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 event, it's not necessarily a contest, is going to start at 11 o'clock. So we're going to move all our stuff out to the backyard of our meeting center. And it's got some trees and open area. And some got some challenges, too, which we're going to work through, like a lot of QRN, as in Nancy. Um, <laughs> a lot of QRM, as in, like, trains going by. A lot of uh, other stuff, too. So we're going to have some fun kind of working around the situation. Again, situations like we're going to be discussing tonight. And so hopefully you'll take some notes. And uh, as I said uh, in, in in the intro, kind of like, what did, what did I say? Uh, notes to self. If you can make yourself a notes to self, this would be the session to do it. Joe does a fabulous job of creating a, an outline for us each week. Our, our little modus operandi is Joe supplies the raw material. 
um, in big outline form, and I, I sort of flesh it out with photos and extra words and so on. We've got an amazing list here, and hopefully this is something that you can use very much as part of your uh, notes to self. I mentioned two reasons for uh, this topic tonight. The first one was, of course, the QRP field event uh, this Saturday. And the link for that, by the way, is right at the top of our, our notes page. It's um, the QRP field event is put on by the New England QRP Club. And uh, uh, they're a good bunch of guys. And they, they, the, the, the link provided there provides a lot of information. And we cover a lot of it, too. The second reason for talking about it tonight is because, um, <clears throat> frankly, and I include myself in here, we don't, as a group, get out to operate in the field quite as much as maybe we should. Now, there's all sorts of reasons for that, and there are exceptions. I mean, there's a couple of exceptions. Uh, I don't know if uh, Ron Politica, um, WB3AAL, uh, is is with us tonight. He's been with us in the past. And Ron is uh, kind of like a field operator extraordinaire. And uh, he calls himself the QRP Ninja. And you'll see reasons for that when you go down, scroll down to the bottom of our whiteboard. You'll see a, a photo of him in his complete ninja out, outfit. And he, we had him in to talk at us uh, at Atlanticon, one of the Atlanticon weekends of QRP talks and such. And he described how he goes to the field. And he, he likes to climb up into the Appalachian uh, Trail uh, Mountain. Uh, the trail up at the top of mountain and uh, and operate on a regular basis. So he's got some really good uh, techniques done. He shared that at Atlanticon. I think we, we covered it in one of our Atlanticon proceedings. And it was a really good article. But he is uh, he's an exception. He goes out more often than he operates indoors. Now, I don't get out as much as I can or as I should. Um, and I'll bet, I'll bet you, Nickel, that you don't as well. And it's so easy, and you can almost make yourself like a go bag. And we're going to see some of these go bags down below. Um, boxes or or containers or suitcases that uh, are just ideally suited for some of your your smaller batteries, your small QRP rigs, your second hand um, or smaller paddles, a coil of wire, a little bit of a ballon, whatever you might take to just operate on a moment's notice. If you keep that battery charged up, you could take that, that grab that suitcase, and you could go out and um, get yourself set up in no time at all. So this is something that you really want to uh, consider doing, and maybe kind of a modus operandi for you, the, the listeners here tonight, or the podcast listeners later on. Get your stuff together. Look at the material and the guidance that we provided here on the uh, on the whiteboard. And frankly, it's it's no different than what a QRP book would uh, uh, would show. It's no different than what you know an article or two out of the ARRL. Um, QST archives would show, but hey, this is live. This is real time and interactive, and we get a chance to kind of talk about this stuff. So, as I said, lean back, grab your pen, take some notes, ask some questions, and by all means, if you've got some tips of your own that we haven't covered, and by you know, we don't think that we by far stretch we don't know everything, and we really would welcome you to contribute some of your own expertise, your own things that that worked well for you over the years out in the field, uh, whether it's a good battery that lasts longer than, than, uh, than the day is long, or maybe it's a great antenna that's perfect for field use. We want to hear about it. And 
I will update the whiteboard later on with the information that we collect during the show, too. So this can be a cumulative uh, collection of everybody's knowledge and, and tips and, and so on. So we want to make this useful for everybody. Okay, Joe, um, maybe, Joe, why don't you ask for questions? And then after that, uh, that pause, well, you can, you can launch us, uh, launch the discussion. Okay. Yeah. Any, uh, any particular questions people have about the topic? We're going to cover a bunch of stuff. But, uh, if anybody has any questions up front, we'd entertain, uh, entertain them first. Okay. We must all be experts. Um, I posted on the whiteboard, by the way, a link to Alan Wolke. Can't make the uh, session tonight, but he uh, he sent a link along for a YouTube video he has where uh, uh, he talks about his own uh, go kit. And then I see Todd uh, K7TFC has um, uh, list, posted a uh, uh, link to the uh, uh, SOTA, the the Summits on the Air um, activation website. British thing, but uh, it's popular throughout the world. Um, okay, um, just for classification re reasons, I'm an engineer, so I classify things. I make lists. I get I get all hyper about uh, defining things. But um, I think of uh, several classes of portable operation. The first is um, QRP casual. Uh, you know, you've got a little time, as George said. Uh, you go to a nearby park or maybe just out in the backyard or, or some uh, – some place where there's some trees, you, uh, you might spend an hour or a couple hours. You, uh, you want to make a couple, couple contacts, uh, no super antennas. Uh, you don't really care if uh, you're making 100 contacts, but you just want to enjoy the outdoors and get on the air. And that's a, a casual type operation. I'm fortunate now that I'm retired. Uh, I, I have a little Woodlands Park uh, uh, 10 minutes from me to where I love to go throw a, a wire up in a tree and get on the air couple times a week. There's another thing which uh, the QRP afield is is um, an example of is a sprint type event where you operate for a uh, four to six hour period, something like that. And, uh, you know, it's it's not uh, heavy duty contesting, but uh, you might make 10 or 20 contacts an hour if there's a lot of uh, activity. Uh, and there are both single and multi-op uh, uh, categories in some of these. Um, here, generally, you want to use a little more, um, take a little more pains and have a, a more efficient uh, antenna and uh, multiband so that you can operate. Uh, if, for example, a 20 is too crowded or it's, it's full of uh, RTTY, you go over to a 20 or 15 and uh, make some contacts. Um, and you need a little more battery capacity there. Um, at the very end of our um, very end of the uh, uh, whiteboard is a list of some common uh, uh, QRP equipment and the um, the battery or the power requirements, how much uh, current the equipment takes, and uh, I've extrapolated from that and put some uh, ampere hour battery capacities for these different categories. So um, if you're using a typical QRP rig at five watts and you're going to operate for four hours, uh, we have a question. I was going to kind of point us up to, since we're at the top of the page, I was going to point us to that first photo that shows the big old smiling face of WB3AAL. Now, I happen to know, or actually I put the title of the caption on there, I think it was QRP of Field 2000. In other words, it was <laughs> come this Saturday, it is going to be exactly 12 years ago. 
but none, nonetheless, in kind of analyzing. Well, Joe, why don't you and I kind of analyze that photo? I'll start. But uh, kind of relative to kind of some of the things that we you said already, and also maybe some of the things we're going to cover, I wanted to point out and just kind of break down that uh, that typical photo that uh, Je uh, that uh, Ron puts in. You see the tent in the background. So it's obvious he uh, either did an overnight um, or that's kind of an emergency. If it's going to rain, it looks like he might be able to, to pull operation there into into uh, a protected uh, protected from the rain. But he's sitting out on the bench. Um, he's got, uh, let's talk about the obvious stuff first. He's got his rig there. Look, I don't know what kind of rig it is, but it's it's open. Um, it looks like it might be a NorCal or maybe even a, a White Mountain, but it's a paddle. Uh, he's operating a paddle. I think CW is his preferred mode. I see a WM1 watt meter, um, uh, watt and SWR meter, and a couple of other things there. I see uh, breakfast off to his right, so it looks like he might have, uh, this might be morning operation. And I see a little bit of a kind of protection over his head, just to the back of his head. Maybe it's like plastic in case it does rain. So uh, in light of what we're talking about here, Joe, I'm, do you see a battery, first of all? No, I don't. I was looking. Uh, well, Ron, Ron likes heavy things. He usually takes along a big old lead acid cell. Yeah, I see. Uh, I, we're going to come to some of these items later on. I see a, that green capped can. I bet you that's a either a wasp uh, and hornet type of uh, spray, or perhaps <clears throat> perhaps just like a uh, an insecticide of some sort. So he is out in the field. Um, I see kind of toward the back of the table a, a cup of for coffee or some other liquid to keep hydrated while he's out there. I think I see a couple of rigs, so he might have you uh, might have like a backup. And um, gosh, I don't know what else is in there that might be of uh, of interest. He's dressed warmly. It's important that uh, when you do get out into the field uh, to be appropriately dressed. Like this Saturday is. I just checked that uh, the weather. As much as they can forecast, you know, three, four, five days in advance, it's supposed, you know, we've got nice weather here in the east of the U of the U.S. Um, this week, but it's supposed to turn a little bit uh, stormy over the weekend, of course. So we'll have to bring along some uh, uh, rain gear just in case um, for uh, Saturday's operation, Joe. But uh, I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting. I just wanted to kind of point out while we were at the top of the page that... Uh, there's some material here that we can kind of dissect. Yeah, indeed, that's a that's a good point, George. Yeah, I had uh, just passed over the uh, the picture. I think uh, there's something else in the picture there that I neglected to put on our list, and that's a camera. Um, all the way to the left-hand side, I think, by the mug there, I believe that's a camera Ron has. And that's an excellent thing to take along when you're doing portable operations. You never know when you might catch a friend in a compromising position or Bambi comes crashing through or maybe there's a UFO, but there are generally lots of opportunities for uh, good photographs. And uh, it's always nice to share those photographs with others um, to, as you, as you uh, report on your operating activities. Folks always like to look at pictures. Um, I mentioned that Ron, uh, Ron, you know, the ninja, he likes to take everything along. He uh, he has a heavy backpack. I think it's probably uh, 40 or 50 pounds. And I suspect that, um, as George mentioned, he combined uh, his operating here with uh, 
uh, an Appalachian Trail uh, trek. So he probably spent the weekend out on the Appalachian Trail um, doing his ham radio thing on Saturday and just enjoying hiking uh, in the outdoors uh, the rest of the time. Uh, good effort. And um, he's a very enthusiastic guy. Any uh, any questions? Okay, nothing heard. Um, if you're getting a little more serious about portable operation, one of the one of the things that some folks do are they operate special event sessions. Um, could be um, some some event like um, uh, Lighthouse Weekend or um, uh, some uh, Battleship New Jersey or something else where uh, you want to you want to have a ham station <clears throat> running for some publicity for the event. That's a little more serious. Uh, it's not quite so casual, and you you want to make as many contacts as possible, generally over a day or two day period. So um, you want to go a little more seriously with some uh, efficient antennas because you might be talking to people all over the uh, all over the world, and. Um, Particularly uh, if you're operating phone, you might want to operate more than uh, QRP power levels to, uh, to have more punch to get out. But it's, it's basically the same sort of portable operation, just more serious. And uh, if you're going to operate a big, um, a big um, battery or a, a high, po high power station, you're going to need uh, probably a, uh, a deep discharge uh, lead acid battery or a small generator to keep running for a longer period of time. That's a little more serious. Um, and indeed, uh, some folks also uh, use it as an opportunity to um, run on batteries and have uh, solar arrays to, um, to get environmental uh, consciousness in there. It's a good opportunity to show off uh, some things like, uh, like that, like our buddy down in Virginia, Bob Brunigna does. Uh, whenever he's out operating anywhere, he's always got some solar panels around. Uh, any questions, comments? Joe, there's going to be um, – we have like a battery section down below, and I know that's a pet uh, topic for you. But since we're talking – you've emphasized it three times now, one type of battery or capacity for casual, another for special event, uh, another yet for sprint. Now – I know that uh, the kind of battery that I take along happens to be the common, uh, it's, it's almost a cube form factor. <laughs> and it, um, if, uh, it's a five amp hour uh, battery. Um, and it tends to be a pretty good one for me, especially operating QRP, even, you know, even uh, of course with the, with the FT817, which is a great rig for, uh, uh, for the field. Although it, you need lots of juice for it. It's still the all-mode, all-band, brush-your-teeth-as-well kind of uh, rig. Um, it, it's a pretty good uh, thing. But nonetheless, the battery is all important. You just want to start talking about that a little bit, and then we can really get into the uh, get down and dirty later on. Sure. Yeah, thank you for uh, bringing that up. Yeah, uh, everybody has their own favorite batteries. But uh, in general, um, a QRP rig is going to take somewhere uh, in the order of um, probably an amp um, to uh, operate at the 5-watt level. Um, and if you, if you operate at normal CW, the duty cycle is about 50%. So in an hour, uh, one ampere uh, operating 
uh, duty cycle of uh, 50% will be a half ampere hour, uh, roughly speaking. So if you have a uh, two ampere hour battery operating at a uh, half ampere hour uh, drain, you'll, uh, you'll operate for four hours. Say more about that later. But the point is um, you have to keep in mind that uh, you're not operating continuously uh, at uh, high current drain. Uh, but you do have to take into account um, the amount of time you're going to be operating and the uh, the current drain of the rig uh, to size the battery. Uh, and we'll talk about other battery types uh, as we go along. Uh, and you can augment that with solar to keep the batteries charged um, if you're blessed with a uh, sunny situation and a sunny day. Any any questions on power? Just uh, just very briefly. Okay, I suspect folks will have uh, more questions later. <laughs> Larry says, turn off uh, LCD backlights. You can. Um, that won't do much good in the FT817. <laughs> that thing draws current no matter whether the backlight's on or off. Uh, question? Is it con considered bad form to use local 110 VAC if it's available? Oh, no, it's it's not bad form uh, unless you're operating in something like um, um, field day where uh, you put it in a different operating class. But in general, no. Many of these special event stations do operate where there's commercial power available. Um, so, no, it's not necessarily in bad form. It's important to... Uh... To keep in mind what the what what your goal is, and if if getting out to the f field is a uh, is is the exciting part, I mean whatever floats your boat. I mean some some guys go the other route. For example, they might uh, go to somebody else's house and they've got a you know like a 150 foot tower with a tribander up on top, and wow, what a great way to uh, to operate in the field just by connecting up your little your QRP rig to that coax and you know, there's certainly not, that's not something that you're going to be able to throw up uh, to, to pack down into your backpack. Um, I go to, um, I, when I go on vacation down to the, to a lake house, uh, I like to throw the antenna up into the, in the local trees. Um, and I don't worry too much about the battery if, or the power, if I happen to be near a power source, um, I have a 12-volt supply there. I just kind of run it out, and I'm sitting on the back porch with my fruit juice in one hand and, and operating and having a good time out in the fresh air. I think, again, whatever whatever your goal is, but as, as Joe said, if there's a contest, sometimes there are, oftentimes there are categories for the kind of power that you're using, the like number of operators that, that are, are working a station, the number of stations that are working. We'll cover some of this, but... Um, you know, whenever there's a structure around, that's that's obviously the time that you'd want to, can, in, if you want to play in that kind of a contest and have your scores count, then uh, that's when you paid attention to that. Okay, yes, indeed. Um, and then uh, finally, we'll talk about uh, field day, particularly QRP field day. Um, there are single or multi-op, uh, multi-station events. Some people I've operated in a group that went to 23A, 23 simultaneous transmitters and they were really serious um surprisingly my little qrp cw was uh, competitive with uh, many of their 23 transmitters uh generally speaking there you're looking for a lot of contacts uh you're a little more serious about the operating uh 20 or more contacts an hour 
a good good op can do at least 60 an hour. And you assume 24 hours of operation. Um, you want to have efficient antennas. And because you're going to be operating a rig for a long period of time, uh, you're going to need to run a lot of power. Um, just the rig alone um, can be as much as 50, 50 ampere hours, which is like a car battery. Um, and even more if you uh, log with computers. And uh, another consideration is you need to consider lighting for overnight operation. So either use, um, either have extra power for that or uh, use a gasoline or a propane light. Uh, propane, uh, propane logs. Paper logs are um, possible. Um, I'm from the old school. I still like them, but uh, computers are often more practical for a lot of uh, uh, contacts, particularly when you have a lot of stations going, many, many contacts. Uh, it's much easier to keep track of things with, uh, with computers, but uh, then that adds to the uh, operating power. And, of course, uh, for a QRO field day, you're probably going to want, want to run with a generator. And I have no idea what my note about that says. Uh, but um, it's a lot more serious and uh, not always as much fun. Although uh, George and I had uh, had a couple field days that were a little more casual and um, uh, not so serious. But um, that's a little more involved. Um, can be great if you're into it and if the weather cooperates. Um, any more questions? Seeing this next section here reminds me of something. Uh, um, one, one of the most, one of the, I, I'll tell you, Joe, I've had the most fun with ham radio uh, since knowing you over the last couple of decades um, than I have ever had. And a lot of it comes from these, uh, the field operation, frankly. And we, we don't do it so often, but it, uh, when we do go to the field, um, it's it's memorable in one reason for one reason or another, and one comes to mind. Um, we went to a place called Bush River um, here in uh, northeastern Maryland one year, and all of the seeing seeing the photo here in the next section about uh, just like the Boy Scouts be prepared. Um, we brought we both brought a whole bunch. It was a, it was definitely a, I think it was a field day weekend, and it was just the two of us. And it was on a, on the banks of a of a, a low river, um, kind of a quiet river, and um, we, we parked a little bit farther away from the ultimate campsite, but we had a lug like two big tubs. Each of us had two tubs of of gear and antennas and extra stuff and extra this and that, and as well as of course the camping gear. And we each had tables. And oh gosh, I remember being chased by bees and trying to get antennas up into the trees there. And in fact, and you can't forget the black snake. That's, that's, that's true. Oh man. And working right through the night, this is one where we, we did 24 hours. We, we had it in our mind to really go full, full bore and, uh, and do as good a job as we could. And, and it was, it was fun. I think, um, and we even spelled each other off a little bit, uh, took a cat and one took a cat nap while the other one was operating. And of course, when the dew set in, we were we had to get into the tent, each of our tents, and uh, and and operate that way. And how the dew affected the tuning of the antenna head ladder line going up to the wire, um, to the dipoles, and the grounding. The ground was affected. Uh, um, 
it, it, there was just a lot of different things. But again, this next section here kind of is just the start, just the start of the things that you kind of want to bring along. And I think um, whenever I get into a project, whether it's a homebrew project on the bench or uh, putting up a, a, a swing set for the kids out in the backyard, I tend to make more of the effort than I do of the actual event. And I think you know what I mean. And, and, and the fun is in doing it. The fun is in getting there as opposed to the end result of having a, a QRP rig completed on, on the bench. I, I personally enjoy getting the uh, doing the building part more. So same is true when it comes to getting ready for the field. I mean, we make lists. We make lists of lists. And we, for weeks in advance, we kind of toss the lists back and forth between each other, seeing if there's something we missed. We even plan, of course, the uh, the food, um, the uh, the the menus for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and the fruit juice late at night that uh, uh, we're gonna we need to bring along. And what about this? We're gonna have eggs this day. We're gonna have cereal the next day. Whatever. Making a list of everything is just really helpful for trying to be prepared. And making sure that you caught and you got everything. I mean, we covered a lot of the different categories here as far as batteries, antennas, and cables, and extra microphones, and paddles, and, and backup rigs, for that matter. Ground rod, uh, grounding wire, ground wire, uh, the logbook, the pens, the, the tools. Don't forget the tools themselves. So um, pretty much anything that you would want, you want to have at least something that will allow you to to make do. A big old hammer is really, really useful um, when it comes time for, of course, pounding in the stakes of the tent, but also for pounding in a bit of a ground uh, um, a ground stake or a grounding uh, um, rod for your, for your station, uh, pounding something um, into, um, well, another, another ground stake to hold like an antenna, end of an antenna wire or something like that. These are the things you want to bring along. I also see in that photo adapters. Oh, can't speak enough about adapters. I've got just on my bench here, and Joe knows this, and he has something similar at his shack. I've got a box that's <clears throat> perhaps about uh, 6 inches deep by 13 inches wide, and it contains, and it's maybe about 3 inches deep, and it's just filled with coax adapters or and different kinds of adapters. Because at any given time, I need to have different kinds of conversion from cable to cable, from equipment to equipment via the connectors, and it's good to have them along. Well, those are the things you want to have along too when you go to the field, because you might have at some point a uh, an extension coax which happens to be terminated in a BNC, and all you have is an SO239 on the back of your your QRP rig, or on the back of an antenna tuner, or on the back of your uh, uh, maybe just an SWR bridge, and you will be SOL if it turns out that you got everything except the right adapter and uh, you know a pair of clip leads, which by the way I also see in that photo. Um, a pair of clip leads will not do the trick too well on on uh, on your coax feed to the antenna. So these are the things that kind of like being prepared. You want to really take a lot and take consideration of of all the things that you might use go through the scenario in your head time and time again i get so excited about these things and i i fall asleep thinking about uh okay first we're going to do this then we're going to do that what else do i need and just uh being anally retentive about things you're going to go and need out there at the uh, in your portable site 
And that's the, again, part of the journey of getting there is the excitement as far as I'm concerned. If you have a casual type of uh, operating event, of course, you don't need quite as much as all this. You can just grab your FT817, your KX3. Let's see, uh, is Ray in here? Ray's here tonight. And he's, uh, so great, we can grab either your KX3 or Ray's KX3. And uh, take that, and you got the antenna tuner built into that. It's got the paddle built into it. It's got the batteries in it. You don't need much more than just a hunk of wire. And, of course, uh, if you're going to operate for the afternoon, maybe just a glass of uh, glass of whatever out there at the, at the back picnic table. Joe, what else, uh, from, a, from a be prepared perspective, can we, uh, can we ad lib here? Oh, shucks. <laughs> yeah. It, what you mentioned is an excellent idea. Just going through everything in your head. We have lists of equipment here. It's just some suggested things. But probably the best thing is to uh, uh, go through everything in your head. Think carefully about what you're going to need, what you do and don't need. And um, um, I find it uh, useful to draw either a diagram or to make a list of the things I will need uh, just to be sure that uh, you don't forget anything. And if you can visualize uh, uh, the setup, what you intend to use, and try to recall from the past uh, what what you've missed in the past. As, as George mentioned, adapters are always something that uh, we tend to um, kind of take for granted, but um, they're awfully important. So it doesn't hurt to have a bunch of adapters along, both uh, coax adapters, audio adapters. You might have a... Uh, a uh, quarter-inch uh, headset that's your favorite, but all the rigs use eighth-inch uh, uh, jacks, so you might need an audio adapter for something like that. And, of course, the power adapters um, for uh, whatever you're going to use, um, uh, the, the coaxial power plugs that are common these days. Five and a half by uh, 2.5 millimeters is common, but uh, some people like um, uh, KD1JV use... Uh, or by 1.7 millimeter jacks. The FT817 uses something else entirely. So try to keep in mind uh, the types of adapters you're going to need to um, to uh, hook up what power source you have to uh, to the rigs you're going to use. And of course, uh, the Anderson power poles are being popular these days. So um, good chance you're going to need a, a uh, variety of uh, adapters. But uh, try to keep um, keep in mind what you may have missed in the past and uh, don't fall into that same trap again. Yeah, and indeed. Um, Joe Jessen, uh, JJ, KC2VGL, are you online here? you got your new headset on. Can we hear your thoughts as far as field days are concerned? Field days of, of the past uh, with all the different uh, kinds of gear you'd like to take along? I've... Uh... I've never been an active field <laughs> field guy. I've spent most of my time studying batteries and designing charging systems and solar charging systems, but actual field operation or anything, I mean, I am a technician, so I, I can't, uh, you know, broadcast on the lower frequency. All right. Well, there's a place for everybody as far as field days are concerned. And might I say that you sound mighty attractive here tonight. That headset is just phenomenal. You've you've certainly gone uh, gone in the right direction as far as getting your audio quality here. But uh, th thanks for your observations there. Uh, Joe is a uh, or uh, Joe E uh, N2CX is a is a um, 
a fan of solar power too. Joe, do you want to comment briefly about solar power and its use out in the field? I'm not sure that we covered that here in the list, but now might be a good time because I do want to spend some time on batteries. I, I think that's almost a common denominator of anybody who takes rigs out to the field is, is the batteries. And I personally would like to kind of review um, what's, what might even be the state of the art. Um, I don't know. I've been looking at LiPo batteries, lithium poly batteries. And uh, uh, if you want to lead into that, maybe in uh, along the lines of solar power, what, I, I know you have a couple of uh, license plate solar uh, cell solar gatherers, and uh, maybe even some larger ones that I saw you pick up at a couple of ham fests. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, solar is kind of an interest of mine. I, um, I have this thing about trying to be uh, self-sufficient when I, when I go out to the field to operate. Um, <laughs> whatever you can afford as far as solar panels, go for it. Uh, the bigger, the better. Um, I generally use as George mentioned, just small ones, the uh, license plate size things that that will pump out at most a um, couple hundred mils. And you can just uh, uh, charge a battery, a, a gel cell with them uh, with no, uh, no special charger. But if you're going to get really serious and charge, um, charge with a, a uh, say, a 50 or 100 watt solar panel, which is what you would need to keep a, a good set of batteries up for a weekend. You're going to need some sort of charge controller. And if you get into exotic, uh, the more exotic uh, uh, battery chemistries that are uh, popular these days, uh, the uh, lithium chemistries, you certainly will need some sort of appropriate uh, charging circuit. Um, using a solar panel by itself to operate a rig is not a good idea. Because, uh, for example, a 12-volt, a, a nominal 12-volt uh, uh, solar panel that you'd use to uh, charge a uh, gel cell will be open circuit 20-some uh, volts. So you need something to keep the voltage down to a uh, point where you're not going to burn up rigs as it varies. And, of course, when, uh, when the sun goes behind a cloud, the voltage will drop below the, uh, uh, below the 12 volts. So you need something to... Uh, Tied it over. Generally speaking, you want to um, you want to ha charge some sort of battery for the uh, uh, to uh, level the voltage to keep it going well. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. Um, one of the um, Jersey QRP guys mentioned just getting a hundred uh, watt solar panel for about $180. Um, that sounds mighty attractive. Uh, I might talk to him about that. Uh, was there a question? Yeah, I had something here. We um, we had uh, here on chat with the designers uh, in a very early episode uh, concerning battery charging circuits or battery chargers, if I recall right. Um, that was in our early days, and I don't think I documented it as well. What I'd like to do, maybe maybe in as as much as next week, I don't know, but I I certainly would like to revisit the topic of batteries and battery charging, just for my own personal benefit, to kind of get my thoughts together, to see what's on the market. I've been looking at a website called Hobby something, Hobby, I can't remember the name of it, um, but it specializes in batteries for RC uh, types of applications, remote control cars and airplanes. 
And there's some really attractive LiPo batteries. Um, and the characteristics of these lithium poly whatever, Hobby King, that's it. Thank you, Dan. Um, the, uh, they can deliver high power when you need it uh, in short bursts of time. And there's like a, I don't know the right terminology, but a 65C type of rating the 60 it can deter, it can deliver 65 times the normal capacity for short bursts you know like when an airplane wants to accelerate up to speed or a helicopter wants to go very quick up or, or, or hold itself coming coming down need a lot of power i'm not sure if that's the best kind of battery for radio operation but nonetheless i've been looking for the kinds of batteries that i can use with my sdr cube in order to take that out into the field. And that, that has on transmit um, a 400, uh, about 480 milliamp uh, power draw. On receive, it's like 180 mils. So I think it uh, it could be handled um, for a period of time with a good, uh, well-charged uh, LiPo or um, an appropriately sized uh, NICAD. Not NICAD, I meant to say uh, uh, nickel metal hydride. Um, but nonetheless, the topic of batteries and their capacity and the charging elements is something that I'd like to address um, and frankly talk with you about, Joe, here online. Get your uh, get your opinion on what the state of the art is and what uh, what to do about that. But for for field day here, maybe come back to the batteries again. You had a section at the bottom that describes some typical current draw um, or current needs. You want to kind of address that? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, batteries are always fun. I I just had a a list. I compiled a very quick list, just showing uh, typical rig current, approximately from data sheets for some common rigs. The ATS3B, which is very similar to the um, um, MTR we, we discussed last week, for receive has about a 35 mil drain and transmitted 600 mils. So um, you know. The transmit current predominates, predominates, and that's key down. On the average, it would only be 300 mils uh, transmit. KX1, 40 receive, 700 transmit, uh, similar to the ATS. KX3, the new, uh, new rig, uh, 150 receive. That's a more sophisticated receiver. Uh, and on transmit, it takes an amp and a half. But I believe that's with about 10 watts out. Uh, K2, uh, low power. 200 receive, 2 amps uh, transmitting at 10 watts. And if you go up to 100 watts, it uh, skyrockets to 17 amps. And then the popular FT817, nice rig, but it's a current hog. It draws uh, 450 mils receive and uh, 2 amps transmit. So, you know, you have to gauge the, uh, the battery capacity you're going to need to operate over a, a, a long period of time to... Uh, uh, based on the uh, current drain of the uh, the rigs, and uh, this will let you do some approximations of uh, how you're going to have to size things. I'm wondering what people's experiences are with uh, with the batteries these days. One particular thing that I encounter is that I I normally get all excited about getting a good battery, one of these five amp hour um, um, recovered from safety light kind of uh, operation but, but gel pretty cell. good the gel cell and it, it's a pretty good one so um but it sits on my bench and every once in a while I remember to charge it 
and that time period gets longer and longer and then pretty soon it seems that it's either not charging or not holding the charge very long. Does anybody have some good uh, uh, good recommendations for practices that, Practice you, follow that you follow on your uh, on your bench? Uh, Joe, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I've quite a bit of experience commercially designing with cyclone um, sealed um, lead acid, and um, what's key on those batteries is you have to keep it topped off. You, what you avoid at all costs is deep discharge. You go from a typical cycle. 500 or so cycles, and you can have shortened life if you prematurely keep this uh, at a uh, at a low at a low uh, level. So, I, I found solar plus plus um, wall type float chargers to be perfect for for um, gel cell, and uh, it would last over five years if you treat it properly. This is Lee. The, uh I, I use a, I bought a Belkin uh, uh, UPS battery and charger off of uh, somebody on QRPL, and uh, that thing works perfectly. I, I always have got the battery in there at 13.6 volts and uh, ready to go at all times. That that's good, Lee. Um, maybe it, um, I'll, I'll, if you give us a model number or a link or something, that would be that'd be helpful there too. Does um, does anybody have experience, either JJ or Joe or anybody else here, um, if you were to keep your battery kind of like your Go, you know, your Go kit we were talking about earlier, so you keep all of your your uh, your QRP field gear kind of in a box ready to go, you probably want to have a battery in there, and you probably want to have it connected to a power source to keep it topped off, as JJ had said. Um what what what's the uh, is there a practice for keeping a trickle charge on a battery forever um, kind of thing and does that not um, hurt it or is that indeed something that could be done? As Lee mentioned, the uh, the Belkin has a um, a charger in in the device. I'm not familiar with the device, but I know the technology in general. What you do is you have a multi-stage uh, charger in there, so I need to charge at a fairly high rate. Um, when you're uh, when you're drawing power from it, then you go back to a uh, float charge, what's called a float charge, which is a, a lower voltage. And uh, uh, gel cell lead acid type batteries, you can leave with a float charge indefinitely. That's what is commercially done in uh, backup power systems and in uh, uh, burglar alarm systems. Um, I'm sure JJ is familiar with that. The uh, also, I am a, I have a solar house up in. Uh, Long Island on an island out there, and uh, we've kept the batteries on all the time, always plugged into the uh, to the solar panels. There's only four uh, four I think it's four seventy watt panels on the roof, and uh, the last set of batteries we had lasted uh, thirteen seasons. Uh, these are T one hundred five golf cart batteries. Not bad. Uh, are they uh, deep discharge uh, batteries? Uh, yes, sir. They're the ones that are used in golf carts and iron lungs. Yeah, well, they used to be used in iron lungs, and uh, they're, they're expensive now. The first set of batteries cost me about four hundred dollars, and the second set, thirteen years later, was over almost a thousand. But uh, they 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 are definitely deep discharge batteries. But I never ever ever let them go below fifty percent. The uh, the rule at the house is that if it gets down to fifty percent, uh, every all the TVs and lights and everything else is turned off, and we wait till uh, till we get a change charge back up back again. Up. 
good point with that fifty uh, percent in doing the power estimations for the ampere hour capacities. The fifty percent is the bogey uh, bogey number I use. Batteries, rechargeable batteries, uh, particularly last much longer if you ever discharge them below fifty percent. And as someone pointed out here, if you uh, JJ pointed out. If you ever let them uh, go, uh, go to almost complete discharge, you'll seriously, uh, seriously impact the life, uh, the battery life. Another comment? Oh uh, yes, you were mentioning earlier about the uh, lithium polymer batteries, and I had some experience with that in the uh, aircraft radio control uh, environment. Uh, lithium polymer can, under various conditions, especially overcharges, uh, be actually set themselves on fire. So if you're going to use uh, LiPo batteries, make sure that you use uh, chargers and maintaining systems that are specifically designed, in some cases, for particular batteries, or at least generically for all uh, LiPo batteries. Uh, yeah, I was going to say with LiPo batteries, uh, you're exactly correct, and you have to be uh, – you have to you, – I recommend buying those with an internal protection circuit. Some of them you can buy bare you know, the actual cells, and some you can buy with the cells and a tiny protection board. A prophylactic measure, so to speak. Another item for the uh, the go bag. So, um, uh, Don, W3FPR. Uh, Don, you have some great experience with the, the Elecraft uh, product line, of course, and, and they have batteries in many of their rigs. Can you give us some insight relative to the the batteries and the care and feeding, especially when you want to be taking the, the rig out to the field you know, before or maybe taking care of it afterwards. I'm wondering if there are any if there's anybody who is uh, um, who's got some special insight. We we didn't cover every item on the list. We didn't intend on going down through the outline. Maybe if you were to print the web uh, the, the the whiteboard, you would have a good reference. Uh, that you might use as a starting point for your own list downstream. But what I'm wondering is if there's something that you see missing, something that you've found to be really a useful, helpful item um, that we uh, don't have on a list or that we haven't covered. I, I noticed that there's a couple of uh, uh, items that came up in the text messaging here on the, uh, on the TeamSpeak client things like your license, uh, bring along a copy of your, your FCC license. Sometime you might be challenged by the local authorities or it might be useful just to show to some local reporters if they happen to uh, to show up and bring along a QSL card, uh, something to advertise that you're a ham, why you're doing this, this unusual thing. Sometimes, too, you want to check in advance uh, with the park rangers. Um, in the New Jersey area, we go to several different parks and Sometimes we have to make arrangements in advance just to make sure that they know that there are people going to stay there overnight and uh, such that we as a team know that we're going to be locked in overnight, you know, to close the gates and um, let them know, you know, that we're not being destructive, we're not killing animals, uh, the wires in the trees aren't going to cause an electrical storm or cause a fire if there happens to be... Um, uh, if, if when we transmit things of that nature, so there's lots of little things. Bring along an, a first aid kit um, that's pretty essential. Um, Band aids and disinfectant is, is is pretty helpful along the way. So, um, are there other things here maybe that we haven't listed that that you know you're uh, particularly uh, fond of and bringing along on your field outings? 
I've participated in uh, a number of uh, QRP field events that uh, my favorite uh, has been uh, Flight of the Bumblebees uh, by the Adventure Radio Society. So if people are looking for things outside of the the East Coast area, you might look into that. Uh, There's a a continent-wide participation there. One of the things that I would uh, very much suggest bringing along is a um, is some kind of a uh, an antenna analyzer if you can uh, beg or borrow a battery powered one. Um, often, what I've found is that something that I've set up in the backyard and uh, tweaked and so on and so forth, because I live in Flatland here in Minnesota, I um, I do not. Uh, have mountains to climb up and get clear shots. So I have a lot of interactions with uh, trees when I'm out in the field. And having an antenna analyzer uh, that I can just put on whatever antenna I'm bringing along and see where the resonances are uh, really has helped me quite a bit in the past. Oh, that's that's an absolute uh, essential, too, in our bag. I think we – I don't have that on the page – I don't have that portion of the page dialed up now, but I'm not sure that's in our test equipment uh, uh, roundup. Joe, did you have that there? Yes, it is. And in fact, uh, we didn't discuss it, but there was a section on checking everything before you go into the field, hooking up all the equipment, antennas, whatever, making sure they all work before you go out because you don't want to troubleshoot once you get out in the field. Uh, I'll just add one thing if I can. Uh, This is Paul again, George. Yeah, go ahead, Paul. Um, I, I totally agree with uh, with that philosophy. I've been caught I don't know how many times with without the uh, the right kind of adapter. So I'm really happy to see your uh, your adapter collection and connector collection there. But um, I think the key element in terms of an antenna analyzer is that uh, your backyard, in terms of uh, in terms of the surrounding uh, things that might be affecting the uh, the antennas are going to be totally different out in the field. So um, if you could leave uh, one thing behind, uh, at least as far as I'm concerned, it would not be uh, an antenna analyzer. Uh, good point, Paul. And, and I didn't mean to skip over that for sure. That uh, that That's a good point. Um, a lot of us deal with antenna analyzers on a regular basis, you know, whether it's the MFJ-259, um, um, the Micro 908, the RF Analyst. Um, I think that's the uh, – who makes the RF Analyst, Joe? Hotec. And don't forget the AIM 4170. Oh, the AIM 4170. I've fallen in love with that one too. That is uh, the very handy device. And interesting thing is that um, when you're out in the field, something like the um, uh, the RF Analyst is a small handheld unit. And it's a, a little bit on the inexpensive side and maybe not quite as precise, but it gets it's good enough is kind of like the point I want to say that you really want to look for the uh, the best possible tuning um, not as no not as much interested in the absolute value of the you know the accurate measurement, especially when you're away from the fifty res, fifty ohm resonance uh, point. But uh, having an analyzer there can tell you an awful lot of good stuff and heck an analyzer is also able to, you know, you can serve as a signal source, uh, at least most of them, 
are able to serve as a signal source for your radios uh, that you might be setting up. And if you if you happen to be deaf, if your radio is not working right, um, you can at least have a signal source on hand, and the uh, you can measure SWR when you're transmitting, all sorts of all sorts of good stuff. So good point. Um, L Soundcheck, how's it going over there? Okay, uh, quite a ways back there, you mentioned ground rods, and uh, I kind of choked up on that because I thought of the awkward situation of carrying a, a ground rod around unless you pull into a camping place and just offload it. Uh, then I think of a heavy hammer to pound it into the ground, but then the work really comes, George, when you try to get that thing out of the ground. That's uh, quite a project. And uh, with a resonant antenna, a ground rod really isn't necessary. And if you're using a uh, random wire antenna, uh, most uh, QRP operators or field operators carry a counterpoise to go with the wire antenna. Yeah, I have a couple of comments on that. Yeah, number one, uh, um, yeah, it, it is a kind of a pain in the, the butt to do, but you can do it. A, a bumper jack does a good job getting ground rods out. And it needn't be a huge ground rod. A four-footer is probably adequate. Um, with a uh, pair of vice grips and a little bit of uh, heft, you can get it out. I've had a lot of experience with um, uh, using a ground rod to minimize noise on site, particularly if you're using a generator. It's good to have a, uh, a ground rod at the generator to, uh, to conduct noise into the ground rather than over the, the cabling, the power cabling. And in addition, if you have any wind, um, it is not at all unusual to uh, build up uh, quite a bit of static charge. Been a discussion, I believe, on QRPL about that lately. Um, having a, a good ground rod uh, keeps you from getting knocked on your butt from the static. Been there, had that. Uh, good point, sir, Joe. Uh, I've never experienced that. Uh, with a generator, of course, it's uh, absolutely essential to have a ground rod. But uh, so far, we've been talking about battery power, portable power, and generators never came into the picture. But you're absolutely correct on that point. Yeah, noise a generation of QRN, or not the generation, but when there is QRN around, um, static and um, upcoming storms and so on, I found that having a ground rod, even with QR, portable QRP types of rigs and antennas, balanced antennas, it, it helps. A trick, by the way, for, that I use for ground rods is I have like a six-foot ground rod, and you know, it's a standard, uh, what is it, copper-plated, harder metal or something, I don't know. But um, um, instead of a sledge hammer or just a regular hammer, what, what I take is a pipe just is a little bit larger than the, uh, than, than the ground rod, and of course it fits over the ground rod, so... About, at about half the length of the ground rod, and I have a um, an end, a threaded end piece on the end of that pipe. And it's a pretty heavy pipe, and I actually outfitted the the top of that with some extra weight, such that when I put the antenna in uh, the the ground rod, you know, poke it into the ground, I can then slam up and down uh, repeatedly without. Uh, first of all, I can reach the top of it. I don't need a hammer, and I can really kind of put my full weight into pulling down that heavy um, pipe and putting that ground uh, rod into the ground. And for taking it up, another trick for taking it out of the ground afterwards is you can put a clamp, a really tight clamp on 
that would ultimately be right at the surface of the ground after the ground rod is in. And then with that same pipe that you use to pound it in, uh, to slide pound it in, you can connect that pipe. Um, it's going to be hard for me to describe it well, but you connect it at that clamp on the ground rod and and you get a good angle. You can kind of pull up um, and leverage upward on that ground rod. I didn't describe that too well. I could probably draw a picture much, much more clearly. But nonetheless, having a good ground rod is uh, is probably good practice. Um, not uh, not necessarily something you want to throw in your backpack as you're hiking the Appalachian Trail, though. Uh, who makes the antenna, uh, that small antenna analyzer that you mentioned? The ORF antenna list. Yeah, that's AUTEK. A-U-T-E-K. A-U-T-E-K. Um, I'll put a link on it and I'll send it send it to you as well, Dave, just to make sure that you get your hands on it. I think Joe has one and he's going to be bringing it along to the club meeting this uh, Saturday. Are you going to be able to make it to us? I got to check and see what's going on in the home, but I'll, I'll try to make it. Thank you. Sure thing. Um, Joe, Joe. Yeah, I just want to mention uh, Don FPR is back uh, online. Uh, did you want to comment, Don, on uh, your experience with uh, batteries in the uh, Electcraft equipment? Okay. He demurs. Back to you, George. No problem at all. Alrighty. Well, we're getting kind of the witching hour here, and uh, maybe we'll give another round of uh, call for questions, or if somebody else has a nifty idea for uh, going to the field. What I what I uh, I'm I am always in search of the ideal go suitcase the go pack and in fact if our buddy uh, uh, rich arlen k7 sz who is photograph who's pictured on our uh, whiteboard sitting on the end end of his uh, tailgate scratching himself i think it looks like he's scratching himself i don't know what he's doing there but um if he were here he has all sorts of uh, stories and tales about uh, the Go Pack and things that you would put in. He is an author of uh, um, Low Power Communications and several versions of, of that. And he has several chapters in each of those editions that kind of highlight the uh, good things for uh, operating, good operating practices and good operating equipment in the field. So um, you want to get your hands on that book at some point. It's a, it's a really dandy one. And there's a recent edition out uh, that just came out. I have an autographed version of it for myself, and I think Joe does too. And uh, uh, it'll be a good reference for you. But um, um, go packs and suitcases and special things are like that. Search of In search of the ideal suitcase or the entire, this perfect uh, go pack is, has been one of my quests. And frankly, I've collected an awful lot of cases over the years. Some work out better than others. I'm still in search of the right one. I'm wondering if anybody has recommendations for a good uh, a good pack to, to throw all your stuff in, yet still keep keep uh, the radios protected as needed, and use of foam pads or, or whatever along the way that might help. Anybody have some good experience on this? Um, Paul, uh, what's up? So you were asking about packing. Um, one of the things that I found uh, really useful, I haven't, I haven't uh, sprung for uh, custom cases for each one of my little pieces of equipment, 
but I find that uh, I do have a lot of little pieces of equipment, and one time I go out to the field, I might want to uh, throw together uh, one sort of collection, and another time I want to try out the latest thing that I've finished, which in and of itself is a miracle to actually finish a kit, uh, at least here. Um, and so what I've done uh, in the past is uh, wrapped um, individual pieces of equipment in, um, in some sort of the uh, bubble wrap, the small uh, diameter bubble, uh, bubble wrap, uh, used uh, some fresh, uh, fairly sturdy rubber bands, and uh, put all of those little packages in a unstructured backpack, something like a, uh, um, an Ortlieb uh, waterproof backpack. And uh, that keeps everything dry. I'm always worried about, you know, a little rain shower or whatever. Uh, I can strap things uh, onto the side uh, if I need to, and away I go. So um, I try to stay away from real heavy shelled um, uh, cases with uh, handles like uh, Pelican cases. I have Pelican cases for other hobbies, and they're really, really heavy. And I find this works just as well as the... Uh, the, the relatively fixed uh, configuration that a Pelican case uh, rip-out foam configuration gives you. Ha, great suggestion. And actually, I do that, that very thing, um, at least to a certain degree, for each of the club meetings that we go to. Joe and I normally bring a lot of stuff for show and tell to our, uh, our monthly club meetings. And uh, that bubble wrap comes in. I have a lot of bubble wrap here since I do a lot of shipping and stuff. And it's a really handy thing to have around. Good idea. Other suggestions? Yeah, Ray, go ahead. Uh, and good evening, George. Uh, uh, my suggestion is to keep your eye out for improbable uh, cases. Uh, I found the absolute perfect case, and I'll bring it along next time, uh, for my FT-817. It was originally uh, designed to uh, carry a jazz drive. You remember them? Uh, the uh, iOmega company put that product out, and uh, so they also uh, provided this uh, carry case with it where you would uh, carry the drive, uh, power supply, um, spare discs, all kinds of other little goodies inside the thing. It had partitions, and it uh, uh, absolutely uh, is a super-duper way to uh, carry this FD817 that I have. Uh, inside there is the, the rig, a CW paddle, the mic, um, an AC power supply, DC power supply, uh, cables, uh, and adapters. So one thing that zips up and it's all soft padded uh, on the side. Uh, it's It's been wonderful. Great suggestion, Ray. That's, uh, that's, that's good. And actually, I do remember the zip drive, and I have one of those too, and it's nice and soft and just the right size. I like to take my cubes. Um, my SDR cube and the speaker pair and the DC power supply and packs it up really nice that way. Uh, good idea. Others? All right. I don't see anything else. Um, and uh, we definitely should wrap it up at this point here. Um, I, I was in the process of updating the page, but I just didn't have enough time before uh, coming back online that um, the low pro Larry had suggested uh, the Low Pro Traveler 150. Larry, I went to that web. I did a search and went to the website. That's a pretty nifty uh, looking backpack. Um, do you have experience with that? And um, what was the cost? 
Oh, maybe Larry's not online. Um, so um, do a search on that, you know, and see what you can find. $50 at Walmart. Okay, Larry, thanks a lot for that feedback on the low pro um, backpack. All right, let's wrap it up. Um, Joe, do you want to kind of summarize and, and why don't you actually close it down tonight, if you would? Uh, this has been a, been a good session. George and I tried to put together some uh, some ideas, some pictures, some lists to get the um, get the uh, creative juices going, and uh, to whomp up some interest on portable operation. Um, we gave a bunch of examples of of things that uh, we found successful, some best practices of doing lists, uh, checking things out before you go, and um, some guidelines, just basic guidelines, and um, Along the way, we've gotten some excellent feedback from people about their experiences in the field. So um, we encourage, encourage you all to, um, to operate in the field. Hope to see a number of you um, operating uh, the QRP field this weekend. And uh, whenever else you get on the air in, the, um, in your spare time or in some of the uh, QRP operating events, um, stay tuned and uh, check out the... Um, Check out the whiteboard, even if you uh, didn't look during the uh, during the session. Use that as a reference for uh, uh, some considerations to operating portable things to take and how to get ready. And um, particularly, I had a couple links at the end on um, battery uh, battery operation, how to estimate what you need to give you a good idea so that you have enough uh, power to go. And indeed, um, we are in the future going to have uh, another Another session on batteries, um, battery powers, and probably a little bit on solar. So um, thank you all for participating this evening. Uh, we'll look for you next week when we have another topic of good interest, 73. Yes, indeed, yes, 73 indeed. all. And I just put a copy at the bottom of the, of the uh, whiteboard. I put a copy, a picture of the Low Pro backpack. So if you refresh your browser, you'll see some of the latest uh, – uh, corrections, editions, and photos that I put on during the session this evening. One more thing. Uh, last week, uh, you had an after-the-meeting meeting, meeting uh, talking about uh, Raspberry Pi, and I wondered if anything more had uh, evolved on that front. Probably not. It was a good after-the-meeting meeting. Um, I think it was just an acknowledgement. I did a little research after that. And found out that, well, I confirmed what we had stated during the, after the meeting meeting, which was essentially that typical of Unix, I'm sorry, typical, shows my age, uh, typical of Linux software and operating system and computers, the information's all there for the very um, deft at, um, oh, what am I trying to say? It Linux is confusing. It's not straightforward. The information is all out there. You have to know where to go to get it. It's a special language. You have to talk sometimes in order to find the right packages. And this all is true of the of the Raspberry Pi as well. You can load it up with the latest uh, Ubuntu 12.04, but getting things to work sometimes isn't the easiest thing to do. And I don't know if anybody has any other experiences with that so far, but that's been my experience. And even though I have a couple of Raspberry Pis, I'm not excited about giving it a shot, connecting it up to the uh, to the soft rock. So be sure to check that out. Good night, all. Thank you very much. This is N2ABB.
and and to CX saying good night. Thank you.